0: Hello, and welcome to the Objective Health Show. My name is Erica, and joining me today is Doug, Elliot, and Tiffany.
1: Hello. Hello.
2: Hello.
0: So today we are going to talk about the new red scare. Is everyone freaking out about measles yet? If you're not, there's something wrong with you. So welcome. Welcome. And uh, we're going we're to gonna kind of tease out this measles situation a couple of, maybe a month or so ago, even longer, we talked about the World Health Organization releasing information about how vaccine hesitancy and anti-vaxxers will be the death of us all. And <laughs> we are now seeing this new red scare coming into play. So, of course, our suspicions... Are playing out here, and we just want to share with you today some of the tactics that are being used to freak people out. I mean, that's really what's happening here. If you are in the United States and you pick up a newspaper, usually every day you see some sort of headline about measles outbreaks, uh, serious concern. And then we saw this played out recently in New York and uh, with. uh, several cases being reported and actually the mayor of New York city stepping in and enforcing forced vaccinations.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, even before the New York thing, I think there was an outbreak in Washington state and I think it was 35 cases and they declared a state of emergency over 35 cases of measles. Yeah. Yeah. It's but
4: the New York, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that it's, it, it is kind of insane that it's like, it, it, I mean, people are kind of losing their minds over measles. It's like this is a disease that, you know, our parents used to get and it would be no big deal at all. You'd just stay home from school. You'd be through with it in a week. You'd have a bit of a, of a rash. And really, that was the extent of it. It wasn't that big a deal. Now, historically, mind you, there has been issues where it was causing death. But as, you know, sanitation, nutrition, um, modern conveniences or what have you have gotten better, it's kind of that was like a thing of the past long before the vaccine was even um, released, created. So it's like it's this really nothing disease at this point. And it's like, you know, a couple of dozen people get it and people are freaking right out. It's kind of crazy.
3: Doug, I have to call you out for falling for the propaganda and calling it a disease.
4: It's, oh. an,
3: it's an infection. My it's bad. Like calling common cold or the flu a disease. You catch the disease, the viral infection, and you're done with it in a week or so. It's not a disease. It's not something that you live with for your whole life. But I think that's part of the scare tactics that they use, because all of a sudden they just start calling it a, di- a disease, and I don't remember them uh, referring to measles as a disease before.
4: No kidding.
5: Yes. Well, I stay memory. corrected.
4: It's, it's it. funny, though, because I know that they refer to other things as diseases when they, they don't fit that description either. Like, I was, I've been reading mm-hmm. about scurvy lately, and they, re- they call scurvy a disease. It's just a vitamin mm-hmm. C deficiency, though. But anyway...
0: But I think that really plays into all the hysteria and fear, and we're really seeing that in the United States. And this kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about our previous show, that, you know, with this World Health Organization information, all of a sudden the media just runs with this fear. And, um, you know, We saw this back in 2015, I think it was, with the measles scare at Disneyland and then the passing of SB277 to, you know, mandatory vaccines, no religious or uh, philosophical exemptions. And in February of this year, you know, there's in the United States, there's over 70 vaccine related bills that have been introduced across the country. So they're basically pulling out all stops to ensure that these bills get passed. And what a better way to do it than just completely freak parents out. Yeah. So are these bills being
3: introduced right after there's a scare?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what it looks like
3: to me. So what bill are they going to introduce now?
4: Or mandatory vaccinations?
3: Yeah. It's just a way to get the the exemptions removed. They're just yeah. going state by state.
0: And well, the thing is, like,
3: oh, go on, Doug.
4: Well, I was just going to say, like, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to deal with measles. Like it could be a measles scare, but they'll use it to push through some other vaccination for some other disease or something, just like they did with like nine eleven, And then they went and evaded Iraq. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, for the last week, I've been perusing the newspapers, and I've cut out a few little um, articles here just to kind of share the theme that, that's in each one of these. And the most recent one was about um, Tuesday, the 21st of April, and it says FDA issues urgent vaccine assurance. And so now the FDA has is, is stepped in. And so The article says, as the number of measles cases spirals upward, spread mostly by those who refuse to vaccinate, the FDA took the unusual step Monday of reminding the public that measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine is safe and effective. Peter Marks, the director of the FDA Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, said it deeply concerns us that measles has again emerged as a threat. It is an urgent public health priority to monitor measles, mumps, and rubella and raise awareness about the importance of immunization. They go on to quote Paul Offit, and for those of you who don't know who Paul Offit is, you can look him up. They call him Dr. (laughs) Profit, and uh, he he basically is a uh, director of the Vaccine Education Center at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and said that it's helpful an FDA official issued a statement on the vaccine safety because it's another voice for hesitant parents, he said, 18 studies confirmed, confirmed the, or affirmed the safety of the vaccine. And, and then he goes on to say, I'm not sure how many more studies need to be done. I can't believe we are still talking about this issue that from a scientific standpoint has been resolved. And that seems to be the ongoing narrative is that the MMR vaccine is safe. It's don't be afraid. Get it. Your kids will be safe you know woe to those unvaccinated children they're they're the bane of our existence right
2: yeah just yeah. ignore the tens of thousands of parents who come out and say that immediately after having the vaccine their child becomes regressively autistic mm-hmm. and can no longer speak after 5 or 6 years of perfect speech they 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 must be just imagining uh, imagining it it's a coincidence yeah.
4: it's a coincidence this is just these are all just coincidence theories basically <laughs> it's 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 pretty ridiculous because you know it, it they take such a hard line on it and say and just come out and say it is ridiculous that anybody would have any hesitancy whatsoever they are 100% safe when it's like everybody knows that that isn't true or they should know that it isn't true no medication is 100% safe So why would you come out and say it's 100% safe? It's perfectly fine. There is absolutely no risk whatsoever. There's no reason for you to hesitate. It's like, well, I know you're lying. There's no such thing as a completely 100% safe medication. So obviously there's something. So if they came out and they said, you know, gave something like a little bit more reasonable, like it's highly unlikely that you'll have any effects, even though that's probably a lie too. I mean, that would kind of be a better story at least. Like they at least, you know, maybe get more people being like, well, since it's highly unlikely, I guess maybe we can take the risk. But, But by playing this game where they're like there, there is acting like there is absolutely no reason whatsoever that you would ever even think about not getting a vaccination it just it, it just it it strengthens people's resolve not to give
2: in i think anyway he's downright lying as well because there's been no controlled studies on the use of multiple vaccines at once mm. it there's there's there's, there's, not heard of, you do like individual vaccines, but with the MMR, it's usually not just the MMR. It's usually multiple other vaccines at the same time in like a two, two month year old baby. It, there's, there's no, there's no evidence for that. No,
4: there's no evidence oh. for vaccines on pregnant women, infants, any it's, it's ridiculous.
3: Well, if you look into how Merck, they're the ones, the the pharma company that owns the MMR vaccine, there actually isn't a solo measles vaccine. It's the measles, mumps, and rubella all together. So they had to prove that their vaccine was 95% effective. So when they did their tests, um, they tested children's blood against they didn't test children's blood against the wild mumps virus, which is what they're supposed to be protecting against, just in the case of mumps. They tested it against a weakened mumps virus, which is basically what is in their vaccine. So they're not testing whether the, the mumps MMR protects against wild mumps. They're testing whether MMR will protect against some attenuated strain of mumps, which is, you know, that's fraud, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're on trial. They, had, they added ant, animal antibodies to their blood samples to get a good result. So when people say that there's 18 or however many studies saying that the MMR is safe, they're really not telling the truth because it's not really tested in natural situations.
4: Yeah, and they're they're, they're actually facing a lawsuit for that. That's it, it. Started in like 2010 or something like that. So it's been ongoing for what, nine years now or something like that? It was like a whistleblower came forward about that one.
0: Yeah, I think it was Dr. Thompson, right?
4: Was it or was that a different case?
0: Well, it might have been a different case, but he did come out and say that the MMR vaccine did have uh, research that they withheld showing the high rate of correlation between the particular MMR vaccine and autism. In young black boys, yeah, but you never mm-hmm. heard about him again. He didn't go in front of, you know, uh, Congress or the Senate to testify. He just kind of disappeared off the radar. Yeah, so we really see how these things play together as this information comes out and parents are doing more of their research. This is the scare tactic. You know, I mean, we all know that misinformation abounds on the mainstream media and big pharma owns 70% of advertising. And so that's why we see things in newspapers and on TV. So you want to play that clip of that we have of just kind of some of the stuff that's been happening in the United States with this. 35 cases of the infection have
6: now been confirmed. Now, a dozen schools, a Costco and Portland's airport join a
7: growing list of locations exposed to measles, which can be fatal. Cases also reported around Portland, Oregon, an area considered an anti-vaccination hotspot.
1: It's an area
0: considered one of the nation's anti-vaccination hotspots is battling a growing measles outbreak
7: if someone brought in measles even one person brought it into the international airport and they encounter unvaccinated kids it starts to spread like wildfire
3: people have such strong feelings about this it's one thing to protect your own freedom it's another to infringe on other people's health right? yeah. mm-hmm. and the science is very clear on this that vaccines are safe
4: what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: Speaking of infringing on other people's health. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I find it's really funny because you see this repeated again and again and again in the media when they're talking about measles, they say, which can be fatal. And the thing is, I mean, that's not a lie. It can be fatal. It's possible. But at this, in this day and age, it's, it's pretty damn unlikely. Like it's, I think mm-hmm. in the last, what was it in the last 10 years, there's some disagreement on, on the numbers on this, but it's like, some say zero. There's been zero deaths since 2010, or in the last 10 years. And some say there's been two. But, um, I mean, nonetheless, it is extremely, extremely unlikely that, that people in, you know, Western nations that, uh, you know, have access to, you know, sanitation, nutrition, that sort of thing, that anybody's going to die of measles. But they always, always put that in there, which can be fatal. It's like okay, well, you're not lying, but you are just hyping things up so much, pouring on the scare. It's just ridiculous.
3: Yeah, and they never mention the fact that there's been no deaths in the last ten years, but they always leave out the part about how there there's been one hundred and eight deaths after people have gotten the measles vaccine. They never yeah. mention that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we.
0: we 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 have another clip of uh, Doctor Sears, and so he's a doctor out of California um, that has been advising parents about delaying or changing the actual vaccine schedule, and got into a lot of trouble for this, and was I think for two years kind of going through litigation and whatnot, and ended up winning the case that what he was doing was not, you know, harmful to his patients and whatnot. So if we want to play that, um, he shares about what the actual numbers are and what measles really is for the
5: parents that may be concerned about this.
6: How dangerous is it?
5: Well, yeah, it's uh, measles is actually uh, a benign childhood illness for most everyone who catches it. 99.9% You know, 99.9% of cases are, are ultimately harmless, and you know you go back uh, several decades. People actually used to think of measles like we think of chickenpox today. It's just something that 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 everyone catches, and you go through it, and you get your lifetime immunity. So it's it's only serious for for an extreme minority of cases
6: so and and that, so, what are the actual numbers? because I keep you know honestly i, I 've been listening to these reports all week it 's been crazy, and i 'll hear people say you know some will say it 's one to two per one thousand will die or Two to four, you know, per 1,000 will die. I mean, first of all, to say like one to two or two to four is such a massively different number. I mean, one in 1,000 and one in 500, which is essentially saying one or two. So the way they just loosely throw these numbers around, like increasing the risk just in that term one or two by hundreds of percentage points. What is the actual number because I'm always saying I've you know right. we've been talking about one in 500,000 would die in America as I remember from the measles in 1960 before the vaccine ever arose but from a clinical perspective as a you know you've looked in this your pediatrician what are the actual what is the death risk of measles
5: right so the, the media do inflate the death uh, risk of measles in order to scare people they honestly do. Where where the one in five hundred or one in a thousand fatality rate comes from, that comes from the the outbreak we had in 1989 through 1991. Out of all the children who came into the hospital or were sick enough to see a doctor, out of out of just that data set of children, about one in five hundred died. Uh, but when, but we know historically previous to that, going back you know four or five decades. 90% of measles cases were so mild, people just stayed home. They knew it was, they knew it was a harmless childhood disease and they're familiar with it. So they just stayed at home. They didn't even ever tell their doctor. There's only about 10% of people who got sick enough to seek medical care. So that's the data set they use to calculate today's fatality rate. But if you included all children who catch measles when it goes around an entire population, the fatality rate honestly is only about one in every 10,000 children right. who catch it. it. And then the, the number one in 500,000, Dell, that comes from if you consider measles going through a whole population of adults and children, where in which some adults do catch it. If you consider the entire US population back in the 50s and 60s, the, the measles fatality rate was only about one in 500,000 uh, Americans. But those numbers don't scare people. And then the media, I'm sorry you know, if you know, don't believe this, but they do this all the time. They have to use the worst number they can get a hold of in order to scare people. So they're just taking the extreme cases. They're taking that <laughs> group of extreme cases
6: that ended up in a hospital. And amongst those extreme cases, they can say one in 500 will die. So they're cooking the books, essentially. Um, Correct. And, you know, I was thinking about the number, because I was looking. I, I did my investigation into this, too, because I really want to know.
4: Yeah. So there you go. That's a more accurate picture of what the numbers are, because one in one in five hundred thousand is a lot different than one in a thousand or one in five hundred. So.
3: Yeah. Well, the media is really ramping up the fear now. And I think this started like in mid-April or so in Rockland County, New York, Uh it's primarily centered around the Orthodox Jewish community. They I said that uh, one of the members of that community traveled to Israel and came back and infected a bunch of people with the measles. And so now, you know, everybody's going nuts. They're holding press conferences. They closed down a yeshiva for not turning in like a list of all the kids who were vaccinated. Um, they're they placed a ban on unvaccinated kids. They don't want them to go to like churches or synagogues or mosques or schools or shopping malls. Um, so it's really crazy. Like they're they're calling it a deadly disease. And multiple times during this press conference, they they said, that, well, no one's died. But, you know, do we have to wait for somebody to die? And they keep bringing yeah. up the baby an infant was hospitalized and placed in the intensive care unit and they never like, you know, go deeper. Like did this child have some kind of immune deficiency disorder? I mean, what was the health status of this baby before it went into the hospital? But they're really, really, really trying to scare people. And now they're, uh, they issued a mandate that uh, if someone who's been exposed to measles or they had measles if they go into a public space and they find out about it they're going to be charged two thousand dollars a day
4: yeah it's that's unbelievable and they they said that they had 48 hours to get vaccinated or they face a thousand dollar fine so a thousand dollar fine and then two thousand dollars a day if you're exposed and then you go out in public it's like these this is This is just crazy. This is like police state actions.
3: Yeah, Yeah, How are they going to know that you've been exposed for once and then how are they going to know that you went out somewhere and you were exposed? Like They're relying on people if they see something to say something basically to snitch on your neighbors and say oh I know little Johnny didn't have his MMR vaccine and I saw him at the (laughs) mall yesterday. Somebody come and do something about it.
2: Yeah. It's the Stasi tactics. Well, it's it's ironic, though, because it's ironic because actually after the children are given the, um, the vaccines for measles, they're actually shedding for a number of days. So they are shedding the active virus, which means that their immune system is actually <laughs> it's actually like getting getting rid of it from their body, but it's still live. So it mm-hmm. means the people they're contagious after they take the vaccine. And this is, <laughs> I think, this is probably why you're getting these outbreaks. There's outbreaks in other places where pretty much everyone's vaccinated. Yeah, the vaccine doesn't prevent against the outbreak. There's something else, you know. It's, it's due, I'm sure, it's due to some other factor because the vaccines themselves, um, they they don't seem to prevent against the the disease. Like if you look at the statistics of when Okay, I called it a disease, the infection. (laughs) Look at the statistics of when the measles, measles virus, essentially, uh, the the um, the, how how often it was occurring, how often people were contracting this virus, that flatlined way before the vaccine was even on the market. You know, it Mm -hmm. practically. I mean, the, the cases were, were so low and then they came along and now they, you know, one of the narratives is that, okay, the reason why the measles virus is so uncommon is because we vaccinate everyone, but actually, no, it, it, there are other factors that play roles in this. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. It's like there's a, there was a natural decrease in, if not in the spread, at least in the severity you know, in the number of, uh, of, of deaths that were happening from measles to the point where it was really very, very minor. Then they introduced the vaccine and they're like, oh, we're so great. We introduced the vaccine and now nobody's getting measles. But um, the other problem with it is that the, the type of immunity that is kind of conferred by the vaccine, it isn't the same. Like, it's not like, you know, if you naturally get measles, you know, you have exposure to wild measles. Um, your body fights it off. You have lifetime immunity after that. You can't get it anymore. The vaccine doesn't actually do that. The vaccine has to be boosted every couple of years. I'm not sure how often it is. I think it's it 10 years maybe. But um, it's
0: changing considerably now. Mm. And I think part of it is to push more of them.
4: Well, yeah, that could be, actually. I hadn't thought of that. It's like, we get a lot more money if we actually have people doing this more often. But anyway, I mean, the other thing is, too, that uh, that natural... Um, uh, if you naturally get the, the, the measles, you just catch wild measles, um, a mother will actually pass on her antibodies to her infant um, in the womb. So mm-hmm. they, they get a natural immunity to it, whereas the vaccine doesn't do that. So there are kind of other consequences like why the vaccine maybe isn't as effective as, as everyone would like kind of have you believe.
0: Yeah. I mean, for our listeners, if you're really interested in delving into this information, I recommend uh, this book by Dr. Suzanne Humphreys and Roman Butter Stanislawinski. <laughs> I'm <laughs> hearing his name. Sorry, um, it's called "Dissolving Illusions: Disease, Vaccines, and the Forgotten History." And with the and in the title, it talks about how child labor laws, sanitation, hygiene and improved standard of living and overall nutrition diminished the mortal threat of measles in the developed world, long before the vaccine ever came on scene. And in one chapter in this book about measles, They quote that the appearance of one case of measles in the highest vaccinated populations always promotes widespread fear mongering by public health officials because they know the fragility of vaccine immunity. Mm -hmm. So I think we can see that playing out, you know, and with all the, like you said, Elliot, the narrative or these little bits and fear stuff, it's like, well, let's not really look at the science behind it. Let's just give everyone the shot and move on,
4: you know? Well, one thing uh, that kind of made me kind of sit up and take notice is that they're still having um, outbreaks of measles in China where they have a 99% vaccination rate. So mm-hmm. 99%, like you can't really get better than that. I mean, there's always going to be some people who you can't vaccinate for whatever is for health reasons or whatever. Um, so a 99% vaccination rate is probably the best you can get, and they're still having outbreaks. So what does that tell you right there? Obviously, the vaccine does not prevent outbreaks.
3: And obviously, the vaccine causes you to shed live measles virus and spread it amongst everybody who lives around you, causing more outbreaks. Obviously. Obviously. I guess that's not obvious to everybody because
5: sometimes you have
3: to wonder if they really believe what they're saying. Some of them I think they are true believers and they believe in the power of vaccines and it's like a religion to them. But at some level, these people know that the measles vaccine does not work.
4: Yeah, I often wonder that. I mean, I think, you know, the politicians who are out there wagging their fingers and scolding people for not getting vaccinated they probably believe it a lot of the media personalities and stuff i think that they they're just kind of indoctrinated and they totally believe it but when it's the scientists you gotta wonder honestly you gotta wonder it's kind of like have you really looked at the numbers
0: well, uh, and back to my little cutouts from the newspaper, I have another one, uh, Disinformation Opens New Front on Measles, and this was written by Rosalind Carter, uh, Jimmy Carter's wife, and the headline is, The Battle 30 Years Ago Was Educating Parents, so they go on about the outbreak and the epidemic and Yada, yada, yada. And then she wrote, Today, parents are being targeted online and within their communities with disinformation about the safety and necessary necessity of vaccines and are purposefully delaying or declining them out of fear that they are unsafe or a belief that they are unnecessary. Today, our nation faces another outbreak of deadly measles and with the number of cases rising daily, we battle a different threat, disinformation. Families have been misled into believing that vaccines pose a greater risk than the disease they prevent. This is simply untrue. Measles measles is very dangerous, and there is no cure. And (laughs) at the very end, she ends with, get the facts, vaccines are safe and effective, and they save lives. She is a former first lady of the United States and co-founder and president of Vaccinate Your Family
2: so yeah the, the funny thing is you don't need a cure because you get over it in a couple of days yeah totally
4: <laughs> and dead deadly measles are you kidding me yeah. deadly measles next thing they'll be telling us about deadly chicken pox
0: oh you just predicted it right <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kind of, that's crazy. I mean, talk about fear mongering there. It's just, it's unbelievable. And the thing, the other thing I have to wonder is that, like anybody in my parents' generation, so people who were born like late 40s, early 50s or something, do they not remember measles? Like they should, I, I feel like they should remember it and they should be watching the news going, what the hell are these people talking about? Measles is really not that big a deal. I had the measles. It wasn't, it, it, I was over it in a week. It was no big deal. I got to stay home from school and play board games. Like, yeah. I just don't understand, like, how, how this is actually effective in, in, in brainwashing these people. Because at least, like, still a significant portion of the population has experience with this infection. I almost said disease. With this infection. Yeah. So they should, they should know that, this, that really this isn't a, a big deal. There's, you know, it's not deadly measles. It's just measles. I don't know. Well, I
3: think there is a sizable amount of the population that do remember measles and they don't think it's a big deal, but you don't hear their voices on regular, you know, news, nightly news. I mean, they're called anti vaxxers and they're told to shut up because you're right. making everybody. So I guess uh, it has kind of like two purposes. These scare tactics is to first scare the people who don't have the knowledge to you know, do their own research and know the vaccines are crap and scare the people who don't remember because they're too young uh, having measles or the chicken pox and to know that it's no big deal. So they get all these people who don't have that prior knowledge and they scare the crap out of them and they pass that fear on to their kids and, you know, they shut up everybody else. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it works. I mean, if, it didn't work, they wouldn't keep doing it. I think it does work with a certain amount of uh, the population. There's always going to be people who do their own research and they're not going to fall for BS. Yeah. I think part of it too, is all the
0: research now that's coming out about the negative reactions of the MMR. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, 15 years ago you may have read a book and you it was kind of obscure but now it seems to be the autism debate is is raging on counter to what you see in the mainstream media and so this is just another way to kind of instill fear and well you know let's just go ahead and do it even though now there's actual documentation that Fatal reactions to the MMR kill more people than measles, mumps, and rubella. And we, and we do have a clip on that if we wanna play that.
5: Right. So I just think right. the numbers. Right. <clears throat> yeah, but I, I think it's interesting that Washington is declaring a state of emergency over 35 cases of measles when in the entire United States, no children have died of measles you know in the last you know fifteen years. You know, the last childhood fatality we had was in two thousand and three. so But you know what fatalities we have had is we've had fatalities from the actual measles vaccine. You know, the CDC collects data on on severe reactions to all vaccines, and they've actually received four hundred and forty nine reports of fatal reactions to the MMR vaccine. And, and in the last you know, 15 years, there've been over a hundred of these fatal reactions to the MMR vaccine with zero fatalities in children from the measles disease. And where's the state of emergency of that? I, I feel like the CDC, I, I mean, I imagine they're sitting there with these data on their desk and they see this pile of you a know, uh, hundred where, you know, 450 people having fatal reactions to, to the measles vaccine, and then they have just on this other side, you know, in the last, you know, 16 years, one child dying of, of, of measles disease, what do they do with those data? Why are they just sitting on that? You know, if there's a state of emergency, I'd say we need to try to figure out why, some, why more people are having fatal reactions to a vaccine than they are from the very disease that the vaccine is trying to prevent
6: right and you're talking about deaths and we're t- you know we're not even talking about all of the the adverse reactions and immune autoimmune diseases that are coming you know from the vaccine that are reported to into the thousands but so i want to ask you this you know i
4: yeah that's a good point actually the 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 fact is that a lot of the focus is on deaths and really there's so much more going on there as far as adverse effects. I mean, you know, autoimmune conditions, autism, all, all kinds of, of different things that can happen as a, a side effect of uh, getting the vaccination. So focusing on the death is kind of like only one part of the picture.
0: Yeah. It's hard to really weed through all the information and, and, not be affected by it i think yeah. so is there any benefit to getting wild measles yeah I mean, especially children i know you guys mentioned a little bit about uh, conferring immunity for the rest of a child's life um, mm-hmm. anything else
4: you to stay yeah home there's actually
2: lots <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, in, the, in fact, it was um, recently I saw it. It's been kind of um, traveling through the social media circles. Um, some articles actually coming out, I think probably in opposition to all the nonsense that's going on in the U.S. actually is um, basically information pertaining to measles ability to what it seems like is actually... <laughs> protect someone against cancer and potentially like kill cancer cells mm-hmm. um, so this there's actually a couple of studies on this but there's there was this one um, case at the Mayo Clinic where if we got a video clip on this one we
4: do yeah it's a it's a CNN <coughs> clip actually um, where they're focusing on it
7: and 4.2 times higher odds of ADHD and 5.2 times higher
4: That was the not the CNN one
2: <clears throat> Yeah uh yeah it wasn't that one but um <clears throat> essentially in the in the clip she's talking about how um I think she'd gone through Standard treatment for for this cancer. She had this um, really. I think she was in terminal case where she had a tumor, and um, I think she'd gone through the standard treatment. And then, essentially, after speaking with the doctors about this possibility, they basically gave her the option to have measles live measles virus injected into her body, um, and the amount of the measles virus. Was I think it was 10 million times the amount that someone would ordinarily receive in a vaccine. Yeah. So, you know, having injected 10 million vaccines of, of the live me- measles virus and actually, apparently, it killed her cancer cells. Yeah. So yeah. she's no longer got cancer. And um, this has been something that's, the research is kind of focused on for a while now actually is is the virus because when you look at at the correlations the measles um, virus history of the measles virus is actually um, it seems to be protective from many other different kinds of diseases actually yeah. And one of those i mean there's several types of cancer isn't there doug yeah, there is actually
4: <clears throat> I, there was a um... Uh, there was an article called um, "Measles Scare Tactics Hurt Us All," and it's up on uh, Sot.net. Although it seems to have disappeared from its original source, um, or at least I had trouble finding it. But they say that um, let me just read here: Natural measles infection actually protects against digi- <coughs> excuse me protects against degenerative diseases, skin diseases, immunoreactive diseases, asthma, allergies, and certain tumors. It also looks at studies which show that measles infection in childhood may protect against childhood leukemia, Hodgkin's disease, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, genital cancer, prostate cancer, gastrointestinal cancer, skin cancer, lung cancer, ear, nose, and throat cancers, ovarian cancer, heart attacks, and strokes during adulthood. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they know. I mean, I trawled through some of the research on measles, some of the kind of stuff that's come out in the last couple of years. I think they're kind of just speculating as to how this works. There's a couple of mechanisms that I could see. It's. I think one of them is acting on um, like something called IGF-1, um, so insulin-like growth factor. But then there's also – I was reading a paper where the um, – where the scientists were basically proposing that because in a cancer cell, it's, it's operating on something called the Warburg metabolism, which is basically it's, it's just excessive glycolysis. So it's excessive f- fermentation of sugar, essentially. Hmm. And so apparently what this does is it's proposed to make the uh, cancer cell p- like specifically susceptible. To the measles virus, the measles virus in some way is capitalising on the fact that this this um, cancer cell is essentially operating on this fermentative sugar based metabolism, and what it's doing is it's kind of able to get in there and. Modulate the re- the the way that genes is transcribed and actually um, initiate a cascade of events, which in some some weird way actually yeah, activates like uh, cell death. Hmm,
4: that's pretty amazing. Actually, I didn't realize that that was actually like how how they were proposing it was working. Um, that's I, you know I got you gotta wonder how they actually discovered that because that is that is pretty amazing. Um. Yeah, that's pretty amazing.
2: And then it kind of shines a whole new light on our relationship with microorganisms living on this planet, because at one point it was common for us to come down with these diseases, that like me- measles, uh, chickenpox, um, all of these kinds of things. They were just Kind of part, it's like a rite of passage for a child to go through almost. And it kind of, yeah, it almost suggests somewhat that we are in some way uh, kind of cooperative with these. You know, we maybe benefit each other in some weird way, or maybe that's why we allow ourselves to be in- infested with these viruses, with these kind of bacterial pathogens, or whatever it is. Maybe a lot of these things that are common growing up, you know, like um worms, for instance, you mm-hmm. know, helmets, like loads of children get worms, it's really common. But actually they use worms in therapy now. So they're actually finding that what they do is they have a, a real benefit. And maybe that's the case with measles, is that maybe it's part of actually inoculating us to the outside world. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah I think that's a really good possibility. I think we've had like kind of we have this kind of uh aggressive stance towards um these uh you know germs viruses bacteria we're kind of like you know it's like a war you use this war kind of analogy that you have to fight it off and all these kinds of things but maybe there is actually something more going on there. Maybe it does have a cooperative. I mean the other thing is too that how much of our DNA is actually viral in origin? I can't remember the exact Mm -hmm. percentage. It was like 13% or something like that, like a significant amount anyway. So, I mean, obviously, like we wouldn't be human beings as we are if we didn't have that viral component to our DNA. So I think we don't really understand entirely what's going on here with, with, you know, our relationship to all these kinds of um, uh, infectious elements.
3: Well, it sounds as if these childhood infectious diseases are necessary if you actually want to have a well functioning immune system in your uh, adulthood. So, and to avoid those things, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice because, you know, people who are older and maybe for some reason they didn't have chickenpox or mumps or measles when they were younger, if they get it when they're older, it's is really much, much worse. So the best time to get it is when you're like between the ages of like what, four and eight or something like that is when kids usually come down with these infections. So I don't know to stop that. I think you're just messing with mother nature and the natural course of things. And if you just let things run their course and you get over it naturally, you're, you're actually benefiting yourself in the long run.
4: Mhm. Yeah, I think that's true. We're kind of messing with things you don't have understand.
3: That fear of like what happened to these
0: parents in New York, you know what I mean? So, so maybe you have questions, and you decide not to vaccinate. But now you're hiding your kid in your house because you're worried about paying a fine for. Um, you know, having them run a natural course. I mean, I was reading in this book, dissolving Illusions that a lot of times a measles outbreak doesn't even have a rash, and mm-hmm. that uh, y- you wouldn't even necessarily know you had it. Maybe you were just feeling under the weather or sick, you didn't break out in any rash and then it it ran its course and it left.
3: Mm-hmm. so that's my my issue with these people that try to enforce these mandates like How do they know for sure that someone has been exposed? Like, what does that even mean? Or how do they know? They can't say with any, you know, 100% certainty that uh, person A infected person B. There's no way that you can know that.
4: No. No, it's true. But we'll probably start to see lawsuits. Yeah. Because you didn't get your kid vaccinated and he got my kids sick (laughs) (laughs)
6: because
3: you walked past me while i was in the mall
4: (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah are you going to start having curfews for vaccinated versus unvaccinated people it's like unvaccinated Mm -hmm. people can come out during these hours and that's it and anybody who doesn't want to be exposed to them can run and hide in their house that's probably the way it's going to go.
0: Well, you you see that. I mean, we saw that with SB 277. Like, show us your papers. Your kids can't get their, you know, American free public education if you don't go along with the the regime of what's expected of you. You know, what is it? 69 different vaccines by the time they're, you know, eight. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's
4: 72 now, I think, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it just and it keeps climbing and climbing. That's really what's so concerning. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, out of fear, and I know I don't share my personal (laughs) stance on it at all with people, because I don't want to have the discussion. I do not want to have the discussion.
4: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I used to work in a health food store. And even there, where it's generally a fairly receptive audience, like you know the the people who are are coming into a health food store often have kind of you know they're they're more open to the idea that maybe vaccination is is not the the be all end all or at least have questions about it um but still i wouldn't I wouldn't say anything because you you still you never know it can it can really people are extremely um polarized on this issue um mm-hmm. yeah it's like like donald trump it's like you know <laughs> you don't you don't go out there with a maga hat these days you know what i'm saying same thing with the the vaccine thing you don't go out there with a a vaccine a it's pro-vaccine. like assaulting
3: somebody's religion yeah if yeah if you talk talk poorly about vaccines absolutely
0: well, and I will say, and we said it in our last show that we did on this, is that we're not anti necessarily. We're just pro safer, more studies. I mean, why not have the conversation? You know, with all these scare tactics and fear mongering that's happening, why don't? Why is there not a balanced view on both sides? And you put them on one of these talk shows and you let them hash it out. You know. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, well, there have been several people who are well-researched in the area of vaccines who invited pro-vaccinators to debate them, and they won't show up. Mm. The people will not show up for the debate. And I think it's because they know they will get decimated because <laughs> there actually is no research that really backs up the fact that vaccines are safe and effective. There aren't.
2: But then, what that also means is that those individuals are spineless Mm -hmm. and consciously doing it, consciously deceiving people for personal gain. Yeah. And that's even for me, that's, you know, that's a, that's hard. I think that's hard to, for many people to swallow, actually, Mm -hmm. to swallow that people can consciously. Um, lie about things, even though they might know that they're potentially causing widespread pain and suffering for thousands of people. You know, because there's not just children with autism. There's, I mean, there's so many vaccine-related injuries. That it's just they they just pop up left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people find it very difficult to even conceptualize that people may be aware of this kind of stuff. So they would probably find excuses for if they if they heard that fact.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I would like to think that pediatricians aren't that nefarious, you know, uh, that that would not be their agenda. I think with medical doctors in particular and pediatricians that they just don't, they're never given the research to really look yeah. at it and they don't have the time to do the research. I mean, Dr. Sears, obviously, as we've seen in the video, has, but he took a lot of heat for that and had to fight really hard to come out the other end of it and still continue to practice
4: yeah there was a doctor too um a little while back one of the i think she was on that show the doctors or something like that i don't even know the show i've never actually seen it before but and she actually came out um kind of demanding kind of more information about vaccines before she vaccinated her child and i think she had had like like uh Del Bigtree who who made that movie Vaxxed actually gave her and it was nothing but the file or something like that, the the file that had the the information that the the whistleblower had reported. And it was just from reading that she was kind of like, Nope, I'm not doing this. So mm-hmm. there are a few kind of brave people out there who are kind of stepping forward and kind of And I'm sure there's a
3: lot more who believe that vaccines are not safe and they just don't say anything just to protect their careers yeah i'm sure there's a lot more than we we know
4: i think that's true so if um if anybody actually finds themselves with a the case of the measles what uh what do you think they should do
0: don't get the vaccine
4: <laughs> <laughs> just chill out <laughs> Go
0: home.
3: (laughs) Yeah, rest. Yeah, play board games.
2: (laughs) Eat copious
3: amounts.
2: (laughs) Eat eat copious amounts of beef liver. Oh, why is that? Oh, oh, (laughs) secret. (laughs) Well, there's 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 some very interesting research actually showing that high dose vitamin A in the um, form well, retinol, I won't say vitamin A because people can cons- confuse that with carotenoids, such as in carrots. So you're not going to get this stuff in carrots. I think they were using isolated vitamin A, so you're probably not even going to get it from liver, but you might do, um, but yeah, very high dose vitamin A. And actually what it's doing is it's modulating the immune system and they've actually shown that when um, Erica, weren't you saying that it, that it was actually the the children who were deficient more likely to get measles in the first place?
0: Yeah, so that was back from that the the book Dissolving Illusions. They talk about uh, how um, vitamin A stops the measles virus from multi- uh, rapidly multiplying inside <laughs> cells by upregulating the innate immune system in uninfected cells which helps to prevent the the virus from infecting new cells. When the body fights any infection, especially measles, vitamin A stores become depleted by various mechanisms. Measles infections and high titer measles vaccine both impair cell-mediated immunity in part because of this vitamin A depletion. And historically, they talk about in this book that, and we probably even see that in third world countries where people are suffering from malnutrition and starvation, they are more apt to get these kinds of diseases. Mm. And that, is, like you said, Elliot, you up the vitamin A, it should help with that. Mm.
2: Yeah, and there's, you know, there's several trials that I could see um, that were basically comparing, and this was usually in the third world, like in countries like Zambia and other places in Africa, but where this measles is like, is potentially life threatening because of the complications, apparently. um, The children over there are more likely to develop things like the complications, like. Related pneumonia and stuff, because that's what they're more likely to die of. It's not necessarily the measles, it's the complications, whatever that might be. And so the children who they basically, there's been several studies um, supplementing vitamin A to these children. And they find it's like a consistent finding that actually the ones who are given vitamin A um, deal with the measles virus a lot quicker. Um, but are also much less likely to develop any kind of complication related to that. So it makes you wonder, actually, is is the measles or is measles related complications, is it just actually due to widespread nutrient deficiency,
1: mm. like
2: a malnutrition kind of thing as well? Is I mean, I know it's kind of contradictory because we were saying, oh, perhaps measles is you know, measles seems to boost the immune system, but is the type of measles whereby you're developing life threatening complications, is that actually due to like chronic malnutrition?
4: Mm-hmm. And then
2: actually by addressing chronic malnutrition, the measles becomes, you know, essentially a a rite of passage, so to speak, that most people tend to do fine with. Yeah.
3: Well, I think it's out in third world countries. Like, there's a recent measles outbreak in Madagascar, and the numbers—well, the media says that like 1,200 people died. Mm. So, there's real poverty and malnutrition in Madagascar. So, if those numbers are correct, then that would kind of uh, be testimony to the fact that it is a problem of malnutrition.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so maybe Bill Gates will start
3: feeding beef liver to world. No, right? <laughs>
4: them.
3: All. The <laughs> vaccines is, that's yeah. going to help people. Don't be pulling them out of poverty, for God's yeah. sake. Just vaccinate them.
2: Don't give them
4: good food. <laughs>
2: just shots. But again, it comes back to many of the other kinds of, many of the other kinds of infections that they tell you that you need to vaccinate against like the flu which most people get by fine with Mm -hmm. but usually the people who are chronically malnourished and sick already they're the people who die of the flu Mm -hmm. so maybe fix the nutrition rather than bumping a a vaccine (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i
4: agree and erica weren't you saying that vitamin c is supposed to be really good as well
0: Yeah, so um, they write in this book, the other essential nutrient in measles cases is vitamin C. And it says vitamin C treatment has a beneficial effect in reversing this viral immune suppression. So availability of vitamin C rich fruits and vegetables was another factor in disease morbidity and mortality reduction. There were uh, improving trends and overall nutrition is seen by a parallel in the decline in deaths from measles and the vitamin C deficiency disease. Experiments done in the 1940s show that vitamin C was effective against measles, especially when used in high doses. So during an epidemic of, of measles, Vitamin C was used prophylactically, and all those who received as much as 1,000 milligrams every six hours by vein or muscle were protected from the virus. Given by mouth, 1,000 milligrams in fruit juice every two hours was not protective unless it was given around the clock. It was further found that 1,000 milligrams by mouth four to six times each day would modify the attack. And so with the appearance of coplex, spots, and fever, if the administration was increased to 12 doses each 24 hours, all symptoms would disappear in 48 hours. Hmm. So just high dosing vitamin C.
4: High dose vitamin C, particularly IV or intramuscular, it sounds like.
5: That's Mm -hmm. great.
4: Yeah. So vitamin C and vitamin A, folks, don't worry about your vaccines.
5: I'm not a medical well, doctor,
4: and one
0: last way. thing to share that they wrote here it says this raises an interesting argument in terms of herd immunity but for some reason we never see nutrition being mentioned in media ads that warn of disease epidemics. Mm. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, we'll see how this plays out. You know, I I tend to be more kind of an optimist. <laughs> I know I might, others might not share this sentiment, but I'm just going to share my last little bit here um, with all this stuff coming out with Monsanto and being sued and just the third or fourth case was just settled and they agreed glyphosate, you know, contributes to non hodgkins lymphoma. I think eventually this vaccine information will out. I hope it may mm-hmm. take 10 years, but I think that kind of, just following it for so long the possibility is there that people like robert f kennedy jr that they are doing their due diligence and they are really taking this information to the wider public and we may see in the future litigation against companies like merck or you know what i mean i i hope that i know that's kind of may even sound naive but I never thought I'd see it with Monsanto, so maybe it will happen with
3: vaccine.
4: Yeah, issue. I know what you mean.
3: They can't be sued for vaccine injury.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's true. But you can get them on corruption.
5: No, I'm I'm not
4: I'm, overly I'm optimistic with that.
2: that. Yeah. Why I'm, do we have
3: Facebook censoring uh, anti-vaccination posts? <laughs> on their platform yeah. so I, I don't I don't know maybe something really awful will have to happen like something out of uh v for vendetta where they found out that <laughs> the, the, government, the <laughs> government was behind that <laughs> epidemic that killed all those hundreds of thousands of children I don't know maybe something like that will have to happen or I don't know yeah I, I don't have much hope these people are so rabid in their beliefs, and they have the power yeah. to enforce. I, I don't know what.
4: I I kind of think that we'll head towards a vaccinated, like a medical enforced police state kind of thing before, before this all comes to light, and we all <laughs> run around holding hands around rainbows with unicorns and stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kelly? I- <laughs>
2: uh. I, I tend to, I tend to fall on the pessimistic side. I, I, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't have any, uh, any hope. I'm afraid <laughs> you're <laughs> it's outnumbered. Been, it's, been, it's been squeezed out of me over the years that we've been doing this show. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of true. Yeah. It would be lovely to see the people held accountable. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see the day. Let's say that.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not without hope.
0: Yeah, we'll keep sharing the information. That's all we can do, right? We can hope that the tide turns against big pharma. Mm. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) All right, so we do have a pet health segment, and so check it out. Thank you, Zoya. Mm -hmm.
3: Welcome to the pet health segment of the Objective Health Show. This time we are going to talk about cats and their behavior. Those of you who have cats probably know those things. But Jackson Galaxy, a real cat whisperer, always has something new to say that you haven't known before. So watch this video and don't forget to stay until the end and watch an oldie but goodie about a very cute and talkative pooch. Have an awesome time everyone.
1: Goodbye. Hey, everybody. This is Jackson Galaxy at Chewy. Today, we're going to talk about Cat Body Language 101. So your cat's going to tell you about how they're feeling with general body language. We're talking about ears. We're talking about eyes, whiskers, and tail. You put those things together and you know whether your cat's happy or a little suspicious or flat out scared or angry. First take a look at what their eyes are doing. The eyes are definitely the windows to the cat's soul. It's about the dilation of the pupils. If you're looking at your cat and they've got those bowling ball eyes and all you see is black. Not a good thing, because what they're doing is they're opening up their peripheral vision. That is saying to you that I'm looking for escape. I'm looking for any which way out of this room. Not a good sign. If you're seeing cats with a relaxed pupil, not dilated, not concentrated, well, then your cat's pretty relaxed and neutral. Ears. Cats' ears are an amazing thing. They can focus almost completely behind them. They know if someone's coming to get them. And that's the thing. If your cat's ears go that way, out, They're trying to get information around them, which is to say they're not entirely confident with their surroundings. A cat whose ears are straightforward, not pointed, not backwards, and not turned, again, that's the way of saying, I'm here, I'm confident, I'm neutral. Whiskers also tell you something about how your cat's feeling. If they're trying to explore their territory, whiskers are gonna go forward. And that's saying, not sure I trust this environment all that much, or I'm hunting you. One way or another, Not what you want to see. You want to see whiskers? Just neutral. It's all about neutrality. Neutrality tells you that I'm confident. Then there's the tail. If your cat's tail is wagging, even twitching, it's letting you know, no, I'm not happy. I'm kind of agitated. The more it goes into a wag and a whip, your cat is ready to blow. The best tail posture there is in terms of confidence, in terms of mojo, is the tail that goes up to a backwards question mark. That just tells you, hey, I'm here, I'm not feeling anything. Glad to see you too. As the tail goes down, it's telling you different things. If the tail is just parallel to the ground, I'm exploring, not totally confident. As it goes down even more and more, it's telling you that my confidence level is not what it could be. Once that tail is almost dragging on the floor, your cat is also probably army crawling across the floor, saying, I don't like this area at all. And then, of course, the least confident cat of the bunch is when the tail goes under the body and gets tucked. You want to see that backwards question mark. You want to see eyes that are neutral. You want to see ears and whiskers that are neutral. That tells you your cat's feeling good. They're feeling confident. They're mojo-fied, And you are doing your job as a cat guardian. So that's it. Cat Body Language 101. The most important thing you get to know about your cat is how they feel about other people, animals, and their environment. This should give you a great start. I'm Jackson Galaxy. Thanks for watching, folks. Food. You
7: know, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I went to the fridge and I opened up the meat drawer. You know what the meat drawer is, right? Yeah. What was in there? Well, I'll tell you what was in there. You know that bacon that's like maple? It's got maple flavor. The maple in it. kind, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah? I took that out. And I thought, yeah, I know who would like that. Me. So I ate it. Oh, no. You're kidding me. Nope. Not kidding. You know, I also noticed there was some beef in there. Yeah, you know, steak, you know, juicy. Well, I ate that too. Oh. But I went back to the fridge just a few minutes ago. And I put something together really special. You're gonna love this one. I took some chicken.
5: Yeah.
7: I put some yeah, I yeah. put some cheese on it. And I covered it with Covered it with what? I covered it with cat treats. Yeah. Then guess what? What? I gave it to the cat. No!
6: Ah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> An oldie but a goodie indeed.
0: Yeah. That was great. A little laugh, but our pleasure.
4: <laughs> Considering we were on such a pessimistic note at the end there, that kind of broke it up a little bit.
0: <laughs> well, thank you all for listening and watching our show today. And uh, we hope to have another interesting topic next week. Please like and subscribe to the Objective Health youtube page and comment if you like and we will see you all again soon goodbye
4: bye everybody